and welcome to the Out of Ink podcast with myself, Beva and Oscar, and Molly Lemon. This is the podcast where two anxious creatives talk openly and honestly about life as an artist. Are you happy to be back from your holiday? No, I'm not happy to be back. <laughs> I'm happy that you're back, so... Well, I'm I'm pleased someone is. I had such a nice time away. I went to Wales with my family and the whole holiday I was saying, I don't want to go home. You know, when from like the off, you just go, I can't ever leave. Like, I can't <laughs> go back. <laughs> but I knew I had to. It was very sad. But we had really nice walks. And yeah, that was it, really. We walked everywhere. Um, I, that is literally what we did lots of walking <laughs> yeah but it was a walking holiday so it'd be weird if you hadn't done any walking and Winnie who is like probably about 10 she fell down the stairs today because she was so tired <laughs> oh Winnie <laughs> she's so... and yesterday she fell up the stairs she trying to try to take the stairs and just kind of fell on her face <laughs> I feel so awful for her oh but she loved it but she's she just needs to sleep for like a week to get over it yeah fair but yeah no I'm I am sad to be back I got back and then I was like, oh, all my stuff is everywhere because I got back from the Cheltenham show like the night before we left. Oh, yeah, you literally left the day after. Yeah, so the show was really good, but there's just stuff everywhere. And then I said, okay, Sam, I need to go start podcast prep. And then when dinner was ready, I was like, right, Sam, just grabbing dinner. I'm just going to take it upstairs. And I just feel like I came back with good intentions for like a work-life balance. And immediately I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, I can't do this. Oh. Oh, so, on the holiday, you know I said rats follow me everywhere. Oh, no. (laughs) I don't like how that started. I know. Well, it was like a really old cottage. Perfect for rats. Yeah. Well, not rats, mice. Yeah, I walked into the kitchen one evening and just screamed because there was like this mouse running across the floor. Oh, not a rat. No, but still, it's nearly as bad for me because we just have such a phobia. And then I screamed so loudly that it came back out to look at me being like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) So ever since then, like in the evenings, I had to like, before I went through the kitchen, I'd like warn it and go mouse, mouse, mouse to scare the mouse away. (laughs) And basically our bedroom was next to the kitchen. So I lived in fear. Oh dear, that mouse was sleeping in your room, I reckon, under your bed, thinking, she doesn't know I'm here, but I am. Well, it it wasn't, because every night I got on my hands and knees and I checked. (laughs) No, yeah, it wasn't when you went to sleep, but when you were fast asleep, it crawled under there, curled itself up. No, I mean, I like mice, I just don't like them in the house, that's all. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was a bit of mice drama. And yeah, I just ate loads of food. We had two birthdays and we had so much cake. Yesterday I woke up, I had some Battenberg, which is my favourite cake, for breakfast. Yeah, and then I had like two breakfasts. And then we went to the beach, had fish and chips, had ice cream. I was still being like, I'm so hungry. Got back, had loads of cake. And then I felt <laughs> so unwell. I had to sit on the sofa all evening. Is this today? It was yesterday and it was Sam's birthday. And I felt awful, but I couldn't move because I thought I was going to be sick. You've got to overindulge on birthdays. It's the rule of the birthday. <laughs> I took it too far. I felt really ill. Everyone was looking at me. I was like really pale and like <laughs> everyone just thought I was you know not in a good way but you had mild sunstroke also so it was kind of food coma slash sunstroke slash really busy day you don't think you're gonna go to wales in march and get sunstroke but i did yeah but we've just had in the uk a really really lovely sunny weekend yeah spring has sprung 
It has. Anyway, while I have been having a wonderful week, you have had <laughs> a really terrible week. Tell oh, us all. We've just been polar opposites. Yeah, so Adam, he's had COVID this week, mm. which was not a great start. No, it's the first time COVID has entered your household. I know. I mean, we're pretty impressed that we've lasted the two years. Mm. I don't know if I got it or not, really, because I tested most days and it was negative every time. But my breathing has been so bad and mm. shallow. And I've had a little bit of a sort of cold symptom, so I feel like I could have a really mild case of it that's just not showing on a test. So I've been looking after Adam all oh week, no. whilst just feeling sad about the week. Uh, <laughs> this is a very depressing, very depressing story. Get it all out now. <laughs> but I regret to announce that Sharky died this week. What? Yeah. Oh, no. So Sharky oh, no. is a goldfish and Molly loves I Sharky. I love Sharky. Yeah, every time she comes around she goes and visits. Can't believe you're telling me this the... on the podcast. I might I want know. to go and cry. <laughs> I think Molly's the only person who pays any attention to Sharky because she lived in the utility room and was fairly neglected. So yeah, she died on Thursday and it was really sad because neither of us can remember <laughs> the last time we saw her and didn't know when she died. No. And, but we worked out that she was seven years old which is old for a goldfish that is old we just felt a bit sad about it that is so sad we said a few words and then we flushed her down the loo no did you you flushed down the loo what else do you do with a dead goldfish make her a grave (laughs) i made my goldfish a grave i planted a tree on them yeah but were you 12 and I'm 28? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But still, I'm sad. You should have given Sharky to me. Put him in the freezer. Or is it her? Put her in the freezer. <laughs> I should have given you Sharky's dead corpse. Yeah, and then I'd put a tree on her in my garden. It's really sad, but the mm. silver lining is that I'd been talking to Molly about a few weeks ago saying it's going to be a nightmare moving house yeah. with the goldfish and the chickens. And so she just took one for the team, I think. She was like, I'll just, I'll just end oh, things no. here and um, things will be fine. Oh, well, I'm yeah, sad. Sad. But she, sad. Lived a, she lived a long, long life for a pets at home goldfish that cost one ninety nine. You've now got more counter space as well, so... Well, As you say, silver linings. The tank's still there because it's so big and so heavy and we've both been a bit poorly, we can't face emptying it, so it's just sort of rotting fish water in the oh, no. this is the You've had the saddest week. I feel so bad for having... Mm. I've had my best week of the year and I think you've had your worst week. Molly kept sending me pictures being like, I'm having the best time ever and I was just there scooping my dead goldfish oh, out no. of this tank. Oh, to be fair, I didn't know about the goldfish. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been sending you pictures. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's my week. It's gone uphill a little bit, though, because it's been such a nice weekend. So yeah. that just lifts spirits enormously. So this week's anxiety scale is... Is it Sundays? Perfect Sundays. <laughs> what is it, B? <laughs> The perfect Sunday. So 10 will be a Sunday that you really, really love. It doesn't have to be something you've done, just a Sunday you think is amazing. And one would be your idea of a really bad Sunday. Okay. But not too dark. Because, you know, you could have a really bad (laughs) Sunday, but I've just done middly bad. Um, Okay. You know, like your goldfish dying kind of Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Also, B, can you go first? Because I haven't finished writing my anxiety (laughs) scale yet. So you tell me about your Sundays. Number 10, best Sunday ever. 
I've kept it quite simple, really. It's just uh, a nice Sunday lion, a picnic for lunch, mm. bit of afternoon tea and cake, and then a really nice dinner and a film. That is really nice. Are you on your own? Or... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm probably with Adam and Margot. <laughs> okay. Because you've gone for a walk to get to mm. the picnic, you know? Yeah. And and it's it's preferably really sunny, but not too hot. Mm. Number one is working all day but it's not having the option not to work so okay. I think if you choose to work on a Sunday you can enjoy it and mm. embrace it but num- my number one is literally not having the option and having to work all day and maybe it's really hot outside and you're stuck inside on a Sunday and mm, you so can't bad. escape yeah it's a bad Sunday miraculously because it mm. has been an awful week I would rate myself a five today oh would you well done I think that's the highest you've been this year <laughs> I know, and it's been the worst week of the year, but it's honestly just the weather. Really? I had a nice day because I had two nice walks with Margot in the sun. I did a bit of work, but like just enough so that I feel ahead of the week. Mm. Had some nice food, and Adam started to feel a bit better this afternoon. It's looking up. You're going to have a brilliant week next week. (laughs) I hope so, (laughs) but thanks for your optimism. Yeah, so I've rated five as... So this... Sunday could go either way, which is why it's a five. Okay. It's raining and it's cold outside, so it could be a really quite a fairly nice Sunday because you could stay inside, watch a film, play some board games, have some nice food, mm. or it could be not so nice and you could just be really bored and be thinking, I want to be outside, which is why it's a five because it goes either way. It's cozy though, nice cozy Sunday. You're probably a ten this week. Well, if I was a 10, thanks for the segue, um, <laughs> my perfect Sunday would be similar to yours, as sunny, not too warm. You know, I struggle in anything above 18 degrees, can't go Same. above 18 degrees. Yeah, me too. So it's sunny, I'm going for a walk on Dartmoor, which is just my favourite place, with my family, and then we're going to come back, have a barbecue, possibly a little swim in the river, and then a oh, bonfire. Oh, can I come? Yes. Doesn't it sound lovely? Yeah, that does sound lovely. So that would be just a lovely Sunday. Although, to be honest, I feel Sundays are a bit like marred with like going back to work vibes. Because even though I do enjoy my job and I work kind of every day, Sam has Sunday blues a lot and I feel like Sunday's a bit of a sad day. Saturdays are happier. Oh, I disagree. I really like Sundays because I feel like they're kind of always a day of rest. Like we never really have too many plans on a Sunday. Mm. so it's quite nice because it means if it is a nice day you can just go with the flow have your picnic have your walk on Dartmoor and um the Sunday blues do kick in but I don't think they kick in until after dinner for me hmm depends what you got going on but yeah I know what you mean I still prefer Saturday right number one my most anxious day ever would be going to and I know it's not normally on a Sunday but it would be going to a wedding, especially if I didn't know lots of the people there. It would be a party. People, don't invite me. (laughs) I'm joking, I'm joking. I don't think people get married on Sundays normally, but I think I'll let you have it, but I don't think it's going to happen to you. Sorry, I didn't want to... Well, basically, any party... I could stop there, but (laughs) I'll say any party where I don't know many people or, like, if it's a party not within a 10 mile radius of my house if there's travel involved socializing to the extreme 
bad Sunday. Well, I don't think Sundays are for too much socialising, so I agree. Good. Okay. Although I would go to a wedding if I was invited on a Sunday. I love weddings. If you're getting married on a Sunday, please invite me. If you're getting married on a Sunday, invite me if I know at least six people at the wedding <laughs> so I can get a little group going. But Otherwise no, hang on, because at my wedding... Mm. You knew me and Adam, and there concluded the list, and you had a lovely time. That is true, but it was different because it's someone I knew really well's wedding, and also I just drank a lot of vodka, so (laughs) (laughs) that would be it. It was lovely. Um, And also, I arrived and everyone was saying, ah, you're Molly. So I felt like I knew people. It was good. The podcast really helped. It was the same with your wedding. I felt like everyone knew me, even though nobody knew me. Yeah, because you didn't know me. It's the power of the podcast. Yeah. So to be fair, weddings, even when you don't know people, can be nice. But it's not my idea of a good Sunday. Right, moving on. I think you should say what this day is, and then I'll say what number it is. Okay. This day... Similar to your number one, and it's in my studio, printing, engraving. It's sunny outside, and maybe every two to three hours, I'm walking Winnie around the field, coming back, got some nice programs slash podcasts to listen to, some nice food, biscuits, tea, and I'm just on my own. This isn't similar to my number one, because I no. was very specific in okay. that it was it was being forced to work, like not having the option yeah. to work, whereas you very clearly are choosing, I'm choosing to have a nice day, engraving, yeah. walking, biscuity day. Yes. So I think that's probably somewhere within the region of a seven or an eight uh i've put a six and i wish i'd put higher and i know i should have but i I arrived home and i was just like oh my god i'm back to my old life i can't go (laughs) (laughs) so like this morning okay no this morning i was sad because this week i've mainly been like an eight with a a slight Hmm. butterfly still because i'm just an anxious person and sometimes i get random butterflies for no reason even on holiday Hmm. but i just feel a little bit panicked that nothing's changed and i'm going back to how things were which was quite tricky Mm, not true though because cheltenham's out the way and that was one of your biggest stresses yeah but the good thing about anxiety is once one thing's out the way you've always got something else to cling on to so my next show is in a month's time so don't worry people i will be stressing about that oh i thought you'd be higher than a six but at least both of us are not you know twos or threes as per usual yeah and also i'm going to take a bit of control to my morning it's because i arrive back and you know what it's like when you get back from holiday especially if everything's a mess and you've got to go straight into work so i'm gonna take a bit of time in the morning to try and take a bit of control of my life and (laughs) just sort stuff out slash send me a thousand voice notes yeah send you a thousand voices i still have voice notes to listen to from b from over a week ago now which is very unusual as i normally get really excited and listen to them within a second it was really hard week for me not having any of your voice notes i'm like, sorry really hard i felt really isolated i didn't realize no. how much i relied on your voice notes <laughs> I'm sorry. Because I realised when I was having a really bad time, which was just all of last week, Mm. I'd usually go to you and tell you. And then you'd usually cheer me up or give Mm. me something to help. And I didn't have that and it was hard. Mm. I'm sorry. But no, because you you have to have holiday and I'm glad you had a lovely holiday. Just never go away again. Or if you do, take me with you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So this morning we had a another conversation which we're about to put into the podcast now and it was with our special guest which was 
my mum. And yeah, we just thought it'd be interesting to speak to someone in the mental health field. Because we do talk a lot about mental health, we thought it'd be interesting. But just to caveat this conversation with the fact that, for some reason, the audio doesn't sound quite as good as it normally does. I'm blaming... I don't really know what I'm blaming. The wind... But no, Molly was in remote Wales and the internet connection wasn't as good. So we're blaming that. Okay, we'll blame that. So yeah, here it is. So this week, our special guest is my mum, who we can't say her name, so she's just going to be Molly's mum today, um, for confidential reasons. So you can say hello. Hello. (laughs) It's lovely to have you on the podcast this week. Thank you for uh, tuning in all the way from Wales. That's fine. It's only... Uh, just a, a little interlude <laughs> in, a, in a lovely holiday. Yeah, and a bit of dodgy Wi-Fi, so bear with. So, B, do you want to jump into the question? Yes. So, if you could please tell us, uh, first of all, what is a clinical psychologist? A clinical psychologist, well, a psychologist, first of all, is someone who tries to understand how people think and feel and how that affects their behaviour. Mm-hmm and you know how they understand the world and how they understand how the people behave in the world which obviously affects how people and themselves behave and feel a clinical psychologist is someone who works with populations groups of people who are in some way or other experiencing difficulties and problems with their emotional life or are facing challenges maybe with their health or in difficult circumstances. How did you get into doing that? Is that something that you always wanted to do? I was incredibly lucky in that I knew from about the age of 11 that I wanted to work with children, which is a bit strange because I was a child at the Mm. time. (laughs) But then what crystallised it for me in my mind is I think two things. One is a child moved in across the road from me who was three and who was autistic. And I, at the same time, read, this was when I was about 15, I read a book called Dibs in Search of Self by Virginia Axline, and it was really about individual psychotherapy, play therapy with a child. That seems like a strange book to read at the age of 15. <laughs> mm, I know. Maybe, maybe I was a bit of a strange girl. I was given it. I was given it by, by this mm. child's mother, actually. And it was just a really um, amazing book about a child who was locked in himself and was kind of unlocked by the therapy. He wasn't actually autistic, to be fair. It's a really interesting job. I I can imagine it's also a really difficult job. It can be difficult because you're often dealing with people's distress. Mm. And for some people, particularly, the risk is that they carry that distress with them and it becomes theirs. I, yeah. I suppose because I have worked as a psychologist for such a long time, I've tended, although I can be preoccupied with, you know, the people that I'm working with and what's troubling them and their difficult experiences, I'm very clear that it's their difficulties and their distress and it's not mine. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you have to be able to separate the two. Yeah. And we thought you'd be a good guest for the podcast because we talk about mental health quite a bit, as you know, because you listen to the podcast, our number one fan. (laughs) Yeah. And because we talk about our, like, problems with anxiety and things, that means a lot of our listeners drawn to our podcast because they suffer with the same things. So we thought it would be helpful for them to hear from you today. Which leads us into the next question, which is, what was it like bringing up an anxious child? That's Molly. (laughs) Just to, just, to, <laughs> just to be clear. Well, you brought up two children two from children. Uh, a baby and 
Only one of them was anxious, I'd say, and that right. was me. I was going to ask, was was Ruth anxious at all? No, Ruth came into the world confident in her place in it, and mm. generally speaking, I'm not not to say that she didn't experience anxiety. I'm sure she did, but she wasn't a child whose mm. first response to anything uh, wasn't anxiety. But whereas mm. Molly, it was quite clear early on that she was more sensitive to potential for worries and worrying things and I hope Molly won't mind me telling you this but oh I can edit it out don't worry <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right well that's fine you can edit out anything I remember on more than one occasion when Molly was really wanting to opt out of doing things and this is when she was quite mm. small you know we're talking four five six seven eight nine um it went on a while um <laughs> I would, I would say to her, well, I'll tell you what, Molly, we'll get a really big box and cut a little hole in it and I'll post your food in there and um, <laughs> you know, make sure that you can be comfortable and cuddly in there. But then you can stay in there all the time and nothing will ever happen to worry you. It could be rather boring. Is this a metaphorical box? Oh, no, it would be a proper cardboard box. It was a cardboard oh, okay. box in which Molly would live. To protect her from anything that might possibly be worrying so she wouldn't have mm. to leave the house because her little house would be this little box. Oh, I see. But, I mean, I suppose the thing about an anxious child is that they often want to avoid things that make them worried mm. and avoidance is a really significant trap for many people who are anxious. The more anxious they are about something, the more they're likely to try and avoid it and the more they avoid it, the less chance they have to experience that sense that they can... I know this from experience also. Yes. Yeah. That, you know, that they, they don't learn that they can actually manage. <laughs> Many things that I tried to avoid growing up that my parents were like, no, no, it's good for you. Yes. You need to do it. But just I'll do anything to get out of it. And if they'd let you, yeah. you wouldn't have had all sorts of positive experiences and and built your sense of being able to manage and possibly even feeling competent. Mm. I mean, I remember we always had to, especially if there was something like a dance exam. I mean, obviously that is a naturally anxiety-provoking thing. But as the exam approached, mm. Molly was absolutely certain that she wanted to give up dance. So there was no point in taking the exam. <laughs> I didn't actually know that Molly did dancing. I did it for about 12 years. Yeah, six, yeah. I'm still terrible at it. No, you were brilliant. <laughs> You were brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I do remember crying like every week going into class, going, I don't want to do this. That was one of the things that you did that pushed you out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Well, what would happen would be that actually most of the time Molly was quite happy to go to dance class until it was approaching an exam. And then she would decide she really wasn't going to go, didn't want mm. to go. But actually what we used to say was, well, you can't back out now. So what you need to do is get the exam out of the way. And then if you decide that's what you want to do to give up, then that's fine. Mm. So of course, what would happen is you get the exam out of the way and then she'd be, oh, fine, I'll carry on. It's fine. I like <laughs> dance. I like dance class. Yeah. <laughs> I think had we given in, she wouldn't have mm. learnt that she could manage it. Yeah. It's also interesting, like a nature nurture argument that I was born into a household where my parents were a clinical psychologist and you work with children mm. and um, a social worker. And yet I'm still really anxious and always have been. So I've had all the right support. But it does show you that if you're born with an anxious disposition, it's hard to, you can't 
easily grow out of it, even with the right help. Anxiety is in your personality, I think, and it's hard to change that. I mean, I think that's right. I think that your temperament, there is a temperament that you are born with and a vulnerabilities that you're born with. But how you Mm. learn to manage that is all about what you experience and the people around you who support you. I think it's important not to say, oh, God, I'm like this and I shall never change or I'm like this and I'll never be able to manage it because you can. And there are things that you can do that really help. When you work with clients, you often ask them to draw their experiences and feelings. Why do you do that? My clients are generally children. And I feel that for most children, not all children, because some children, more often boys than girls, often feel drawing isn't something they're especially drawn to or that's good pun isn't it um or comfortable with (laughs) or they feel they're not good at it so you have to quite often you have to say it really doesn't matter you know that you don't have to make a beautiful artwork it's not about how good the drawing is is it it's just about expressing yourself yeah so because i think that there are ways in which we can understand people through how they choose to draw what they choose to draw Mm. and i mean there is a lot of evidence about this and a lot written about children's drawings and what they can reveal about subconscious or unconscious experiences or feelings. And actually, when you get to a certain age, they become much more aware of trying to get it right for the grown-ups, which is why drawing is more helpful, because often there are things in the drawing that can reveal their true feelings that they're not prepared to say or don't know, actually. Quite often they don't really know. Mm. So you can see in pictures more kind of internal conflicts that they're not so aware of, that what they would tell you will be one thing, but there's something more complicated going on underneath. The colours that children use can often be revealing. You know, occasionally you get a child who really uses a lot of black. That's not a good sign. No, not a good sign. And there are some very stylized drawings that children often do, Mm. rainbows and that sort of thing. But there's usually other details in there that tell you a little bit more about them. So, I mean, I have, you know, had experiences where I've seen children where no one's really understood what it is that's going on for them. And then they draw a picture that just lays it all bare. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet if someone had asked them, you know, why are you so upset? They wouldn't be able to tell you. They couldn't use the words. They needed to just express it. Do you think that's the same with art therapy in adults? Why, Why art therapy is a thing? I think with adults it's slightly different in that often adults are very prone to intellectualise about their emotional world so it's all about words and Mm. being somewhat uh, one step removed from the feelings and that's helpful in some respects it's helpful in understanding but it quite often doesn't necessarily really address the the kind of emotional distress in a way that's helpful so art therapy can often allow people to get to a place that you know they're very defended against in a way that can allow them then to understand Mm. themselves better If you could give one piece of advice to a client struggling with anxiety, what would that be? One piece of advice? That's quite hard because... Hmm. Sorry. (laughs) There are a number of things that that can be helpful. I mean, I think... Just picture our listeners, basically. And, you know, some anxious artists out there that might, you know, find a useful coping Mm. mechanism or way of thinking. Okay. Well, I suppose the, the unifying idea I would offer is to slow down. Mm. anxiety is often a very buzzy energetic feeling energetic in the negative sense and it it drives people to do things without actually thinking very carefully so if you can get yourself to slow down then often you can think in a more 
rational and, and helpful way about what it is you're worrying about. Mm. And maybe even realise that the anxiety, the thing you think you're worried about, isn't really the thing, it's something else. Yeah, most of the time. <laughs> yeah. So what do you do to slow yourself down? I think one of the things, and you can do this wherever you are, whatever's happening, you know, you can't always go out for a walk mm. or, you know, have a bath or have do those sorts of things. They take time. But the one thing that you can do is to just get yourself to leave the thoughts alone for a moment and focus on your breathing and slowing your breathing down. Mm. Like sort of a meditation? It is a, a definitely a really key part of meditation is mm. slowing yourself down by focusing on your breathing and allowing thoughts to pass through, but then just keep bringing yourself back to your breathing. I have tried meditation a few times. I find it so difficult to totally clear your mind of any thoughts. They always pop back in, all those, all those anxious thoughts. I suppose the key is working out a way to, as you say, let them come in, but also find a way to silence them and well thoughts will come that is what they do Mm. i mean people who meditate a lot can get to a state a phase where they are not allowing those thoughts that they the thoughts just aren't there but actually for most people that isn't the case so one way to deal with that is to picture the thoughts going past as it were you let you acknowledge them Mm. you put them in a little boat floating down a, a Send stream them down the river. You. yes and then bring yourself back to your breathing yeah just pop them in a little boat and let them go that's a really nice metaphor i'm going to try that next time i'm i'm doing some meditation <laughs> the other thing is to listen as well as focusing on your you know slowing your breathing down at the same time pay attention to the sounds mm. that are around you and just think about those and just notice notice things in the here and now yeah. To just give your brain and yourself a little bit of a rest from those thoughts. I mean, I think what I would say is that we are under this illusion that we're in charge of our thoughts and that our thoughts are the thing that guide us and our choices. But actually, it's feelings generally. Mm. It's emotions that come first. And so if we can just acknowledge those emotions, but let them and let them be and let them float off rather than take charge when we when they're not being helpful that's a useful skill i think that's really good advice Mm. thank you for sharing that insight with our listeners um i know i'm gonna try it (laughs) yeah hopefully we'll all be very calm now after listening yes i think what i take out of this is that molly you were very lucky to have an upbringing with your mum guiding you Mm. guiding you through an anxious childhood and helping you definitely Uh, let's not be too idealistic about this though (laughs) You know, we're all humans, aren't we? We don't always get things right. And, you know, I'm I'm sure there are ways in which we could have done things differently that would have been more helpful. But, you know, that's life, isn't it? So thank you to my mum for being our first ever guest. When I was editing that bit of interview, because I was quite quiet during the interview, and in a bit I edited out, you did say, Molly, you're being really quiet. Um, And I think it was because it did feel, I didn't realise this till after, but I think it felt a bit like a parent's evening at school, like sat next to my (laughs) mum. It just felt like me and your mum having a bit of a discussion about your childhood. I know, and I was just there. Yeah, it was weird when someone's talking about you and I... Was I your teacher in this scenario? Yes, (laughs) yes, Your mum had come to parents' evening. Yeah, it was, I like listening back, that's exactly how it felt. It was really odd. (laughs) But yeah, thank you to her for sharing a bit of advice and chatting and bringing something a bit different to the podcast. Yeah, we think it was really interesting and hope that you'll enjoy it. 
I thought it was really good advice when she was saying about just trying to slow down Mm. Um, when you're feeling really anxious and just trying to slow your mind. I'm definitely going to try that. Yeah. And also us feeling like we were anxious, we were born anxious, and we were like, that was our destiny kind of thing. And then she was like, no, you can do stuff about it. Like, you don't have to just, yeah, you know, accept it. And But, yeah, thank you to my mum, who we cannot name for confidentiality reasons. Thanks, Molly's mum. <laughs> <laughs> Come again next parents' evening. <laughs> B. Housing segment is going to be a depressing one. It's more, possibly more depressing than Sharky dying. Oh, no, it's so depressing. So the last time we left the listeners, you'd put an offer in a house, you'd get annoyed with the estate agent because they treated you badly. Gone. Finish the story. I didn't get the house. You didn't and uh, the estate agent told me that there were four offers mm. and she helpfully said that they were all really similar. So had we put our offer up by a little bit, which we were going to, yeah. you know, with a whole afternoon think about it, after seeing this other house that then wasn't right, we might have got it. But because we got so angry with the estate agents <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we just decided we were just going to be really stubborn, uh, we lost it. And that was a week and a bit ago now and since then there have been zero houses of interest and me and adam genuinely think that we lost the only nice house in the world okay well that's not true but i am sad for you <laughs> i'm sad i feel like it's just getting a bit desperate now sad times i know you're in a bit of a pressure cooker situation because you've got an offer on your house yeah so our buyers contacted the estate agents this, this is how the week started oh, uh, they contacted the estate agent and they just said yeah we're a bit concerned because it's been two months and um as far as we know this isn't moving forward at all and yeah. can you let us know what's happening because we're feeling a bit like we don't want to wait that much longer and me and adam were just sat there like there's <laughs> there's nothing we can say it's not our fault that there are literally no houses mm, it's very very stressful bad start to week i mean then the covid happened it's been bad mm. so yeah not much to update everyone on other than that that bit of depressing information nope. don't have any viewings i'm ho i'm really hoping mm. that this week there's just at least one house that i want to go and view mm. that's all you can hope for one house mm. that's all you need no. one house I know, I know, it doesn't seem like a lot to ask, but it really, really is. Mm. Well, I have no wisdom, because I keep saying, oh, there'll be a house around the corner. Do you know what, ever since you said to me that the dream house would go live at 3pm, every 3pm without fail, I'm not exaggerating, I open up right move feeling slightly more hopeful than (laughs) 2.30. You do know I'm not God, don't you? Yeah, but there's just something about three now because it just so happened that you said that and then every time at three for the next few consecutive days there was quite a nice house listed. Mm. Well, maybe so I feel I like maybe then. you are God in disguise. Maybe. Anxious art God. I don't God. even know it. Wow. <laughs> maybe. What a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Out of Ink. We hope you've enjoyed it. You've enjoyed Bee's utter misery. Um, <laughs> it's always good to cheer you up. Um, <laughs> you can't be cheered up by my misery. That's just that's just unfair. Uh, 
next week we will be back and we will be discussing natural talent versus practice and if you have any questions please email them to outofinkpodcast at gmail.com or send us a dm don't forget to review rate and subscribe we really appreciate all your support so here's to a better week for you definitely a worse one for me unless something amazing happens (laughs) maybe we should devote this podcast to sharky (laughs) sharky 2000 and hang on what's seven years ago from this year uh 15 sharky 2015 to 2022 r.i.p don't like that you're laughing when saying that it's very little respect no no uh, no it was it was really sad it was it was sad okay cool well hopefully you can convince someone of that one day (laughs) you're just happy you're not gonna have him sloshing around on your lap when you move house yeah and to be honest i really need you to to remove mum's space so mean